0: Coming up on this week's show, Lex Chase takes us on a trip to Maine, Brandolin from Prison Book Alliance has some book recommendations, and Will and I have book reviews of our own.
1: Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode sixty-one of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from
0: jeffadamswrites.com. and I'm Will from WillCanals.com. How's it going? Happy December! Happy December to you, sir. Woohoo! December. Yeah, I guess I <laughs> means it's Christmas time.
2: Well, I suppose that's true. I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of the cold weather.
0: It's not my favorite well, season. You don't really live in a cold place anymore, I so don't like snow and. We don't get snow here either, (laughs) so stop complaining already. (laughs) It's Christmas. Oh, yes it is. Tis the season and all. Yeah, and so and we're actually going on a Christmassy trip. Indeed we are. We're actually recording early, so we don't have a lot of updates for you, uh, because we're actually the weekend of the 3rd and the 4th, we are at Disneyland. We finally decided after all this time that it was a good time to see Disney at Christmas. Mm-hmm. And since I've been trying to get Will down to Southern California with me while well, I work, what for a week, uh, so that he can go to the Ripped Bodice and check out the bookstore. Yeah, we're just making a whole trip of it. Yeah. So yeah, holiday shenanigans are soon to ensue. Yeah, you never know. We may give you a little, <laughs> a little, a little sneak peek of what we're doing in Disney. Maybe do a, a live Facebook or something. Who can say? I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, what are you looking forward to on the trip? put you on the spot.
2: Well, um I'm if I can extend the complaining a little bit more. I'm not looking forward to the crowds. Uh but we aren't there to partake of rides and such. We were there in October of 2015. 2015. So just over a year ago. So we have experienced the parks themselves already. So Uh, going on rides and you know trying to jam in you know a week's worth of fun and a a day and a half isn't on the agenda for us we're just going to go and like absorb all the
0: disney christmas magic that we can that's Mm -hmm. really the only purpose yeah we do have an easy entry into frozen Because we got a a meal package that had Frozen in it. Yeah, I think Frozen should be fun. So I'm excited to see that.
2: Yeah, that's new since we uh, went the last time. So that should be fun. Mm -hmm. And seeing, you know, fake snow and tinsel and sparkly lights and various holidays. Magic. Magic. Magic and crap. Can't wait. And you finally (laughs) get to go to the Ripped (laughs) Bottles. And I get to see the big romance bookstore. Yeah. That should be fun, too. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. This could be a good time. Yeah. Tis the season, and we here at the Big Gay Fiction Podcast are in a giving mood. Announcing our holiday paranormal paperback giveaway. We're giving you, our valued listeners, a chance to win a prize package filled with great reads,
0: perfect for cozy winter nights in front of the fire. The grand prize package includes an autographed paperback of Soulstruck by Jacob Z. Flores, an autographed copy of The Grim Life by Katie Worth, plus paperbacks of Jake C. Wallace's Soul Seekers and Dare to Love Forever. In addition, the grand prize winner and four runners-up will receive an audible download code for T.J. Klune's Wolf Song, narrated by Kurt Graves. To enter, go to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com or... Visit the official giveaway page at BigGayFictionPodcast.com
2: holiday. You can't win if you don't enter. So, visit BigGayFictionPodcast.com slash holiday before the rafflecopter ends on Sunday, December 11th.
0: So, we're excited to see how many people have entered the Paperback Paranormal Giveaway so far. And just a reminder, that does end December 11th. This coming Sunday, December 11th is your last day to enter. Uh, so get that in there, and then we will announce the winner for you in episode 63. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about a trip to Maine? <laughs> well, considering
2: how I just bitched <laughs> about the cold weather, I would say, mm, I'll have to think about that. Okay, well, <laughs> what if
0: you could do it in a book instead?
2: Oh, that's so much
0: better. See? So Lex Chase, who's been on the podcast previously as part of the GRL uh, giveaway, as part and as well as our GRL coverage, Uh, has written an entry in the uh, Dream Spinner States of Love series, and she's here to talk to us about her book that is, in fact, set in Maine. I'm happy to welcome Lex Chase back to the podcast. Uh, Lex has just released, well, actually is going to release on December 7th, later this week, The Unlikely Prospect, which is a new entry in Dream Spinner's uh, States of Love series. Lex, welcome back.
3: Hello, I'm here.
0: So tell us about this new
3: book. Oh, God. Uh, first, it's a contemporary. Ah! So, Lex Chase wrote a contemporary. OMG. Um, it is about, it takes place in the state of Maine, actually, specifically in the town of Prospect Harbor. Uh, of It's a fishing village of a thousand people. It's fantastic. And it tells the story of a lover in Harper Cook, who loves the sea, and people not so much. And he's volunteered by his brothers for the annual Men of Maine pinup calendar, where he ends up meeting out in proud L.A. out of Stata, Sean Blackburn, who's a first-grade teacher and highly available. And Harper is like, Mm-mm. nope, nope, that happens. So uh, one thing leads to another, and... You know, Harper basically learns that, you know, being different may be not so bad after all. But it's fluffy, as I like to call it when I wrote the damn thing. What the fresh Hallmark hell is this? So.
0: And, of course, yeah. that appeals to me because I love Hallmark movies. So.
3: I actually watch, when I research it, because I've never written a contemporary before, right? Never done it before in my entire life. And, you know, because it's just, it's just not my thing. And, like, the States of Love call came out. And I was like, my mother's from Maine. And, like, Prospect Harbor is a real place where the story takes place. And she's from that area, that Goldsboro, Birch Harbor, Bar Harbor, Winter Harbor area. It's kind of like this unincorporated community. And I'm like, okay, I'm doing contemporary. I have to research this. So we watched Hallmark movies. Like, I wrote the story around Christmas time last year. So we watched Hallmark movies, we have the Hallmark channel, and I'm sitting like, okay, so, like, the first two movies, the four hours of my life, I'm like, what the shit is this? This is so unrealistic, what the hell is going on? You know, people pay money for this, or whatever? Okay, so from hour five to 24, I'm like just tell him how you feel, and like, (laughs) save the day, Mr. Whiskers, and then like, damn, I hope I get proposed to that someday, and then I even have my favorites that I look forward to every holiday season. I am trash. I am utter trash. So, I fell into the hole. See? It's not bad. It's Uh just comfort
0: food, comfort TV food.
3: Well, well you, you, you know what, it's, it's what I call it's like cool lip. You know what tastes
0: good
3: with cool lip? More cool lip. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, so it's like, oh. so, anyway. So, <laughs> you mentioned you took Maine because your mom lived in Maine. So, what was the research like, and did you get to do in-person research, or did you dispatch her for research, or how did that work?
3: actually i was born there as well so and i was born in ellsworth mom was born in winter harbor no bar harbor i'm still confused and um, we have family still up in there you know my grandma's on her side aunts and uncles and things like that and um i visit at least once a year you know every so often i visit in july well she so i kind of have like gazillions of pictures and i kind of have good memories of it my mom at the time Happened to be visiting, you know, her mom and my aunt and things like that. And it also funny because I was like, because she was in that area, and um, as we call it, down east, which is one word. It, it's it's the further north you go, the more down east you get, kind of thing. And um, it was certain locations, particularly the the, the pickled wrinkle restaurant, which is fantastic. And I'd be like, hey, mom go to this location and walk inside because, um, TripAdvisor doesn't have pictures of the interior yet or accurate interior. And, um, so describing inside of that. And, uh, there's a few other locations that we would go to every year. Uh, one's called the Jordan snack bar, which is, it's, um, so it's like ice cream and snacks and things like that. And it's one of those places and, you know, things like, it's so funny because, um, there's a scene where they're just to a snowstorm. I'm going on Google Maps being like, how long does it take to get to this certain place, and can they reach it in yada yada hour? And my mom comes in. I'm like, hey, mom. You go down Route One, you do this, you do that, and whatever. And she's like, No, not in snow. Because that road's impassable. They go this way and this way and you know, and then she's like in various lighthouse locations and she's like, There's a lighthouse there and this is you know, we have photos of these actual lighthouses that appear in the story. So it's kind of fun research, kinda of going down memory lane and also kind of like like very, very convenient that so mother must snap a photo on her phone and be like this is a lobster boat. This is what they look like. And I'm like, yes, mom. So, yeah.
0: So, what was it like for you to write your first contemporary?
3: Holy shit. <laughs> okay. So, I write nothing, nothing but, like, sci-fi, fantasy, urban fantasy, paranormal, like, kitchen, sink, I'm currently writing this dystopian hard science sci-fi series which is nuts and madness and things like that and like so I'm at home with immense world building and like you know royal family trees and like holidays I've created and menus I've created and like I have stacks and stacks of notes and you know things like that and outlines and you know, how powers work and how the science works and how this works and that works. And in the contemporary, it's like I had to keep track of the main characters' names, the brothers' names, the name of the boat, who the brothers are married to, and their kids. And then as to the locations, it was kind of like either I go through my photo albums on Google or I just look it up on TripAdvisor or Google Maps and go, hey, there's a picture. And, yeah, it was like I can work with no outline. You know, when I dissect it, I write it with an outline. Yeah, I just, I pants the whole thing. I had, like, I did, like, a test of a scene that appears later in the book just to see if I could pull it off. See if, like, okay, I can do this. This is, this is not BS. Like, just go with it. Go with the feeling. Let it flow over you. And I wrote it completely out. I even wrote, like, the ending. In the middle of the writing process, I knew I knew, and you know, and uh, it was uh, who was it? I don't know who was. It was, uh, was Ann Reagan who runs Harmony Inc. for DSP, and she was like, "That's like happy dessert first and I was like, <laughs> "So, but anyway, but it was it was it was fun. It was this is not so bad, and this I tell a friend of mine, May, which you met in GRL, and I was like. Oh my god! And then Harvard did this thing and this thing, and she's like, "Holy oh, crap, man!" And she's like, well, "What about this?" And what about this? I was like, "Wow, it's like this." So, but it, it it was it wasn't bad. I'm thinking of writing more, so uh, it was definitely a brain break of trying to remember, you know, keep track of who's married, like whose royal family is part of whose, and what powers they really have. And but yeah, it was it was definitely interesting. So. Well, that's
0: good. That's good. I was going to ask you if you are going to write more, but you already kind of answered that one that you might write more.
3: I actually sort of started one. I'm um, 300, oh, yeah, started one. I'm 300 words into one. It's one I've carried for like years, but it was really never the right time to write it kind of thing. And um, it is, it's a funny story. It's about a punk mailman. Like mohawk, tattoos, wallet chain, Doc Martens, holmaners. Well, he's delivering the mail in little shorts and shirt and everything, and he's a part of a punk band with other mail carriers. Like there's like a, there's like a female mail carrier on the drums, and they have a band. And it's called Dead Letters, which is oh that's actually, awesome.
0: That's an awesome yeah, title.
3: Yeah. yeah, it's like you know the part where like mail's undeliverable either direction, so it's a dead letter, and um, he ends up falling in love with. Defining love more like anger, uh, adversity, love, antagonistic love, with a lead singer of a Ziggy Stardust cover band. So it's like glam rock versus punk, and you know, and of course, things occur. But yeah, because it's 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 hilarious and a riot, and and the opening line is, um, "It's a federal crime to tamper with the United States mail." who knew
0: I'd be posting Eddie's bail for stealing a year's worth
3: of hustler. That's a great first line. I know, right? I'm excited. That might even be able to be the teaser
0: line for your blurb on that one.
3: I know, right? So yeah, it's like, totally. That was kind of fun. Anyway.
0: Well, awesome. Well, Lex, thank you so much for talking to us about this book. We wish you the best of success with it. And we'll leave a link to the unlikely prospect in this week's show notes.
3: It'll be awesome.
0: I hope, I hope you enjoy it. So one of the things I love most about Lex's interview was that she got her some of her experience on how to write contemporary by watching Hallmark movies. <laughs> and as you heard in the interview, I love Hallmark movies. And if you've been a long time listener, you remember from last year too, that Hallmark countdown to Christmas is one of my very favorite things. We have indeed been watching Christmas movies. Since Halloween, I believe, is when that started. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it is about them, but I love them so. And uh, there's been some really good ones this year. I loved uh, Christmas Christmas cookies, which was about saving a cookie factory. I thought that was completely adorable. That was really. really I really enjoyed that one.
2: It had the girl from. Uh, I'm totally. I don't remember. Teen her name. Wolf from Teen Wolf. What's her name from Teen Wolf? Uh, she's. A really great contemporary actress. Uh, she's done at least one other of these like sweet, oh, the Christmas movies sweet too. Hallmark movies, and she's really good at them.
0: Yeah, she really Jill, is. Jill Wagner. Yes, good job.
2: God, give me a couple seconds; I can think of it. Okay, yeah, uh, she's really good. I like. Yeah, it a lot. she
0: was delightful in this film. Uh, she was uh, in in this small town that is all about cookies. Uh, she was there to buy the cookie factory, which was going to mean moving the cookie factory. But, you know, then that mean would mean the town would fall apart and they found a way to save the cookie factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, What's another one that you've enjoyed? Another one that I've enjoyed is the one that we just saw that was part of Thanksgiving, and I'm blanking on the title of it. it took place in the department store. had Deidre Hall and had... Uh, Danica McKellar. Danica McKellar and a really cute kid. Uh, in this case, it was about... Making it so Dianka did not have to go to Paris. Well, she wanted to go to Paris, but then she fell in love with the dude who was helping to save the Christmas display. And it was adorable. And the kid really helped make that movie, I thought. Because mm-hmm. uh, he was adorable. Yeah. Um, can't think of the name of this movie, can you? I'm totally blind. I think it's My Christmas Dream. I I think yeah. her Christmas dream was to go to Paris. Yeah, you're right. That is the name of that one. Okay. See, this is what you get when we don't make notes. <laughs> we have a bullet on our list that says Hallmark Christmas. <laughs> uh and I'm really looking forward to the one we're so pro. That is coming up. It'll air tonight. We're recording this on Sunday, November 27th, and it's got Candace Cameron Bure in it and some time travel element because she's like a nurse it what she, looks like World War One. She's like I don't know, she's in one of the World Wars and there's like a comet. And there's a and comet she, and she, she ends up in twenty
2: sixteen and <laughs> full of Hallmark magic.
0: Now it's a little different, I think, from most Hallmark movies. Yeah. But it looks adorable, so I'm looking forward to that one too. But yeah, we're just they're doing like nineteen new movies this season, mm-hmm. which is an insane production schedule. They must take over Vancouver. Whatever part of Vancouver is not being occupied by the CW superheroes and Supernatural Mm. must go towards Hallmark movies. I think so. Um, One of my
1: favorites,
2: one we watched not too long ago, is the one about uh, Dean Cain and Sabrina the Teenage Witch are both uh, newscasts. Melissa Joan Hart. (laughs) Serena, and they're both they're both newscasters. They're competing for the same job, and they like have a history together. And first, they like hate each other, but then they then they fall in love. And it's at Christmas time. Uh, and they end up, you know, uh, vying for a spot on Jack A. Harry's talk show. I mean, it's it's all ridiculous. but Imagine su-
0: Jack A. Harry <laughs> hosting the Today Show, because that's kind of what this was about. Uh, it
2: was really, really funny, super cute. I like that one a lot, too. Broadcasting Christmas.
0: Yes. See? Together we can remember this stuff. Yes. Uh, and, of course, Hallmark Countdown to Christmas goes on through at least Christmas Day, if not into New Year's. And it's 24-7. Well, not quite 24-7. They do run home and family sometime in the, in the mornings um, on the weekdays. But pretty much it's 24-by-7 Christmas movies, which is always nice to have as a little comfort food TV. Speaking of Christmas, we've actually read a couple of Christmas stories recently. Oh, yes, we have. Um, Fortune Cookie, which is written by Matt Burlingame, uh, is part of Dream DreamSpinner's Advent Calendar uh, series of stories for this year. Uh, he happened to get in touch with us and sent us this book, and I'm so glad he did because I absolutely adored it. Because you know what? It's like a Hallmark movie. Because in this case, they're saving Christmas for the orphans through an office fundraiser. Because Hallmark movies, at their core, are always about saving something.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Whether it's the pumpkin patch, the winery, the cookie factory, whatever. In this case, it's helping some orphans by saving the office Christmas party. hmm Uh, This involved technical writer Lawrence, who is Mr. Scrooge. Um, He gets a little Christmas magic, courtesy of, initially, what he takes to be a mall Santa Claus, plus a fortune cookie, hence the name of this book, Fortune Cookie, uh, that tells him, I believe, that love was right around the corner or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Again, didn't take notes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And he ends up having to be on the committee for the office Christmas party to, you know, help the orphans. Many things go wrong here as his new manager, Nick, comes on board to kind of revamp the party. And they lose all of their old help and try to piece this party together. Uh, And Nick ends up finding the Christmas spirit and saving Christmas and, and falls in love with, you know, Ginger Santa Claus Nick. Yeah. I adored it. I absolutely adored it. And it pushed all my Hallmark movie buttons in terms of just hitting all those right beats.
2: Yeah. I really liked it a lot as well. Um, If you're looking for a cute, sweet holiday read, uh, we both highly recommend it. I recently read uh, the latest holiday offering from friend of the podcast, AJ Truman, you might remember him from episode 46 of the podcast. He recently... Re- re- Let me try that again. H.A. <laughs> H- a- recently released his holiday story, You Got Scrooged. And uh, not too surprisingly, this is a modern uh, gay romance take on the Scrooge uh, mm-hmm. Christmas Carol story. And it involves a guy named Jeff. Uh, he's kind of... He's a young guy but he's very bitter uh, and he feels like life has passed him by. Um, everyone else uh, has success uh, except for him. He's an actor who tried to make a run of it in New York and failed. He's come home and now he's spending the holidays in this like local production of A Christmas Carol. and He is the meanest, grumpiest Cratchit you have ever seen. <coughs> Uh, and he has to play opposite the nicest, sunniest Scrooge you've ever known, a guy named Harvey. Now, uh, after their final performance, uh, everyone is, everyone in the cast is getting ready to go to the final cast party, uh... Har- uh George is being all Scrooge-like and says he has somewhere else to go. Uh, so he leaves, but his car breaks down. Uh-oh. And who should come along but Harvey saves him from a fate worse than death, freezing out there in the middle of nowhere. And Harvey takes him uh, to various locations where uh, Jeff sort of looks back on... Uh, Key moments in his life, what had made him so Scrooge-like during the holidays. And eventually the both of them end up going to the cast party. Uh, And the the joy of the season begins to blossom in in our bitter Scrooge. Um, The uh, two characters kind of end up falling for each other and uh, go back to Harvey's place. Uh, And they uh, uh, have sex on Christmas Eve, (laughs) and um, (coughs) excuse me, Uh, and everything is okay. And then they give a uh, benefit performance of a Christmas Carol. Uh, So, yeah,
0: it sounds adorable.
2: It's it's okay. It's much better than I just described it. I'm sorry. That was kind of a half-assed way of doing that. Um, uh, It should be worth noting that I usually hate. Uh, you know, riffs on A Christmas Carol. Um, they're tired and they're boring and there have been like eight bazillion adaptations of A Christmas Carol. I mean, we've seen every single one there is. Uh, every single sitcom has done a riff on it for their holiday episode. So usually, I'm a Scrooge myself when it comes to this Christmas Carol crap. But, I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was really sweet, very
0: funny. Uh, so I highly recommend it. I'm going to have to pick this one up and read it. Yeah. Not only because it's A.J., but because you give it such a ringing endorsement because he is a Scrooge where it comes to a riff <laughs> on A Christmas Carol. I can attest to that myself. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, yeah. You got Scrooge by A.J. Truman. Uh, give it a look. I think you'll like it.
0: So another book that I've read recently, uh, just finished it a couple days ago, actually, uh, not Christmassy, but it's called Rank by Richard Thompson Sater. Uh, We met Richard at uh, Gay Romance Northwest back in September. Mm -hmm. Uh, He actually read from this book uh, during the Friday night reading program. And I immediately knew it was something that I needed to get as soon as it came out and read it. And I was not disappointed. Uh, This story is about... First first off, it's not a romance per se, right? It is a romance. Oh. It is 100%... A romance. I'm surprised. I didn't think it would be. Uh, it okay. is. Uh, and it should be noted that uh, Richard is actually a lieutenant colonel, now retired in the U.S. Air Force uh, Reserve. And this book takes place inside uh, the Air Force. Okay. Not, not unsurprisingly, because he's, he's writing what he knows here, uh, at least to some degree. We've got uh, Lieutenant Harris Mitchell, who when we first meet him, is working in a personnel office. Uh, and he is summoned... To General Seamus O'Neill's office, uh, because he's about to become the general's aide. Uh, the general, as we find out relatively early on, churns through aides at the rate of about uh, one of, one every two months, uh, because they simply can't stand to work with him. Yes. No, keep going. Keep, oh. keep with your description. For, he's, I can't, he's, I, want
2: to, I want to talk about this. He's over <laughs> here
0: just make, making faces at me for I, those on, on <laughs> the video feed. I'm like, what? Did I say something wrong? I haven't read this, but I am looking forward to reading um, this. So keep going. Keep going. He ends up taking the job uh, with the general. Not that he really has a choice because he's being put into this role. Um, for Harris, uh, the general is everything he likes in a man. The mustache... The build, the way he wears his uniform—it's—it's uh, it's like so he's trying to resolve with how he's going to work with his man. And the book takes place after Donasta Hotel has been, okay, um, has been uh, demolished, and Harris has been living as an out Air Force lieutenant okay. since then. Um, so he gets in this job. The general is. He rants all the time. He goes off. He's angry about this and that. Harris can't do anything right. He's charged... He's charged a fee every time he's late. (laughs) He forks over money every time he's late because punctuality is not his strong suit. Um, But over time, there's little flirtations. There's... Until one day the general does invite him over and... They get together, and it's, it's so sweet the way that this manifests itself over time, mm-hmm. um, and how even though Don't Ask, Don't Tell is abolished, the general is not out, even to his family. He's out to no one,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and you've got the fact that in the Air Force, and possibly throughout the military for all I know, there's the issue of a lieutenant dating a general, Mm-hmm. And that's true regardless of your orientation, that you're not supposed to even be friends with that much of a gap in rank.
2: Okay. Uh,
0: so they've got a lot of stuff building against them, but yet their love continues to just grow and bloom, and it's, it's an amazingly well-paced story in terms of how these these dates and these meetings and the way that they just keep expanding on their love, whether it's little things that go on in the office Mm -hmm. that no one else really is clued in on, or when they get away together on trips, Mm -hmm. uh, because they do have trips to take official trips that take them other places. Um, I was really blown away by how tremendous this book is. Um, is this his first book, I believe? I believe this is yeah. his debut novel. Um, and uh, we're, we're going to try and get him on the show. We talked to him about being on the show when we saw him at GRNW. Now that I've actually read the book, there's a lot I want to ask him. Like, for example, not only, you know, what was his research to get these characters to ring as true as they seem to jump off the page, but there's little stuff like the general has a new nickname for Harris almost every time he talks to him. Whether it's because he's berating him about something or being cute about something. And it's just like, how did you come up with what, to me, must be at least 50 different nicknames? Mm -hmm. And plugging those in the story like you did. Um, So you recommend it. I highly recommend it. It's a a tremendous romance that really, at least to me, looks at something that we don't see a lot. It takes a May-December trope. Yeah. And then layers in this military layer on top of it, where even if they were both out, it would still be really hard to maintain this relationship because Mm -hmm. of the rank difference. Yeah. Um, And they're two just awesome, awesome characters. I think the only thing to me that might have made it another notch up, because I mean... it's, it, for me, it's a five-star book, but it would have. I would have loved to have seen more of Seamus' point of view. Okay. Uh, because it does all come from Harris's point of view. This one, the person who, until he forces me <laughs> to write third person in the book we're writing right now, yeah. always wrote my romances in first person for the most part. Yeah. Here's one where I would have loved to have seen the flip side. Mm-hmm. And seen the general's story alongside of, of the lieutenants. Yeah. I really
2: liked the uh, piece of the book that Richard read at GRNW. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it, and I thought the book sounded interesting. Uh, But I had assumed, for whatever reason, that it was more uh, like a gay fiction title with kind of a secondary romance plotline. So I'm kind of surprised that it is, in fact, a romance. And uh, it made me a little bit giggly, because it sounds like this is a
0: secretary-boss romance. You know, there is, but besides (laughs) May-December, there is a little secretary boss going on there for sure.
2: I'm super looking forward to it now. Um, So
0: I totally am going to read this one. And I mean, I'll, uh, I guess I'll like temper my, to me, it's a full out romance. I think it hits all the romance beats. Uh Uh-huh. And I feel like the romance is front and center. Mm -hmm. So we'll see if you read it if you think, well, no, that wasn't the case. (laughs) Because sometimes I can be wrong. <laughs> I'll tell you if you're wrong. Don't worry. Absolutely. So, yeah, Richard, love the book. Uh, we recommend that everybody, or at least I recommend, you'll read it and you'll come back and tell us later, perhaps. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I just, I tremendously loved it. And it was one of those things that in a week where I had so much stuff to do, I wish that I could have sat down and page turned it more. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was very chopped up reading. I'm just like, I just want to sit down and read this book, please. Cool. Okay. So, yeah, Ranked by Richard Compson Sater.
1: Want to hang out with us between shows? Check us out on Facebook. You never know what we might post, news about book sales, bonus video content, and maybe even a live broadcast or two. Like us today at facebook.com slash biggayfictionpodcast and see what we get up to next.
0: I'm very happy to welcome back Brandilyn from the Prison Book Alliance to the podcast, Welcome, Brandilyn.
4: Hi. Okay, so we're talking Christmas stuff this week. Yeah, and I should talk some moving. good
0: Christmas book recommendations.
4: Um, well, I have two for you. Okay. Um, the first one is an audio book because this is me, and we all know I love audio. Um, and we won't talk about the one that uh, someone named. Jeff Adams just released, which was also really good, but we won't talk about that one. Um, (laughs) um, One of my favorite um, eBooks last year became an audio this year. It's called a fortunate blizzard and it's by Elsie chase and it's narrated by Nick J Russo and it's heart tugging and even, but it, I five starred it last year. I five starred it this year. And anyone who follows my reviews knows I don't five star a whole heck of a lot. No, you do not. So this is a special book. Um, so, um, it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. It's set around Christmas, but Christmas isn't the focus. Um, so yeah, that's my first one. And my second one is a new one this year. It's by one of my favorite authors by, uh, named Jamie Fezzident. And it's a cop for Christmas. It's set up in his uh, uh, stomping grounds of uh, New Hampshire around Christmas. Again, it focuses more on the relationship between the main characters than on the holiday itself. Again, it's involved of lizard. Hey, go figure. And I live in Texas, so maybe it's, you know, my longing for snow. Um, But one thing I like about it is, the characters, while they they do they are together at the end. They're not riding off into the sunset. Jamie is always very very conscious of reality versus fantasy, and so they have a very organic approach to their relationship. And I just absolutely adored it. Um, and I haven't. Uh, Put up my review for that one, so that's another. That's an exclusive for you guys. Because, oh, cool! Um, I'll probably do the same thing I did last time, just link back here. Um, so, yeah, "Cop for Christmas" by Jamie Fesenden and "Fortunate Lizard" by Elsie Chase on audio if you like audio. So,
0: okay, that's all I have. And we do, we do like our audio books. So yes,
4: yeah. Like I said, and there's this other one, you know, Rivals that's uh, really good too, but. I figure you—you you probably already talked about that one. I
0: promoted that just a little bit, but you—you you reviewed the ebook well. uh, That so, was last year.
4: Well, I—I I have listened to the audio. I did—I did listen to that the other day. I haven't written a review or anything, but I did enjoy it.
0: Derek I like what break. I like what Derek did with it.
4: Yeah, he did. He—he he, he did a very good job. So, okay, so there, there's three of them. Cool.
0: There's <laughs> three, and I—I—I I, I, I don't mind sneaking myself in there just a little bit too. I didn't think you would. <laughs> Alright, well, Brandlin, thank you so much for some holidayness.
4: And happy holidays to you and Will.
0: Yeah, happy holidays to you and the entire Prism the entire Prism team and your family <laughs> as well.
4: I will tell them. Thank you.
2: Once again, thank you to Brandlin for stopping by. It's always a pleasure to have her here.
0: What do we have coming up next week? Well, next week, Michael Jensen's gonna be here for episode 62. He's gonna talk to us about his re-release of a book called Man and Beast which used to be out there under the name of Frontiers. And we've got Poppy Dennison here, who's going to give us the lowdown on Dream Spitter's new DreamSpun lines that will be coming out next year.
1: Yeah, lots of good stuff. We'll see you next week. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to com. New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.